Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 2nd of February 2020. I'd like to say that I hope everyone's getting through this amazing time we're living through. It's almost like a science fiction movie. And it has all the aspects of these uh, horror movies, of course, with pandemics and and uh, and, the, uh, and the conspiracies behind. There's always conspiracy in the movies, you know, or you wouldn't watch them. Because you've got to get bad guys, you see. And often the bad guys in the movies have real-life counterparts. The stories generally, in fact, uh, fictional stories to do with uh, terror, that kind of thing. And plagues always, uh, they're based on some facts, of course, naturally. And we do live in dangerous times. We've lived in dangerous times for an awful long time. With the rise of academia and incredible funding into research and development in all countries. To do mainly with warfare purposes, including the bio-warfare area. Most of inventions we have, and, and even across the board in electronics and everything, all really came out of, including your microwave oven, came out of the weapons development industry. We don't realize that. And it's the same thing, too, with a lot of the, the benefits that come out of medicine and so on. So, yeah, in the movies, you definitely do have a, a lot of, of facts, of course, with biowarfare and the threats of biowarfare. And years ago, I remember mentioning some of the, or giving talks on some of the histories of biowarfare, stuff that was really from declassified government archives. So you can't just jump on, say, oh, it's conspiracy theory, unless the governments are given, given <laughs> they're actually given us the conspiracy theories. But um, one good book was put out by a, a journalist in Toronto, who uh, I think he worked with the Toronto Star, I think, at the time. But he put a book out, a good one, uh, one book out of many books across the, the world being put out on, on this, this very subject. But his one was Canada's uh, contribution to biowarfare, because Canada, during World War II, and afterwards for a long time, had led the field in biowarfare research. And so he wrote a book called Deadly Allies, and it's Canada's secret war. And in it, of course, he talks about uh, World War Two and how money was thrown out like crazy, like it always is uh, in panic situations. And uh, governments are always broken until it comes to warfare purposes, if you notice that, and suddenly they've got all this money thrown around. And Deadly Allies goes into the stories, declassified again, factual recorded stories, no, no, no conspiracy theory, of big companies in Canada where the money was thrown at to develop bioweapons for long-term protracted warfare, meaning the war against Germany or whoever it happened to be could last for a generation or even two. This is how, how they look at things way down the road. And I, I, don't, I don't think it sounds corny because leading up to World War II and during it, uh, the army cadet forces, even in Canada, and across Britain and, and Australia and New Zealand, uh, they, they had army cadet force with the idea of uh, recruiting them straight from the cadet forces once they turned 17 into the army and then off to war. So that you'd have a seamless supply, basically, of recruits, you see. But in the biowarfare industry, they had big laboratories. Some of them were awfully well known, even years later, to do with blood scandals and tainted blood and so on. That some of the guys who worked in these laboratories talked about how callous that they were with when they were holding uh, you know, vials or picking up stuff at railway stations and so on. And I, I know people who did the same in Britain, by the way, <laughs> not too long ago. They were callous. They would, they would toss these, these packages up in the air and there could be enough plague in it to wipe out a, a good-sized city. This is how callous that they were. And uh, it's a good book to read, Deadly Allies. It's well worth it because you, you find that many of the things that were developed during World War II and afterwards, including all the rust diseases for crops to destroy enemies' crops and things, and their and their their, their animal food supply, you know, where that that a form of of disease which really <laughs> you could pretty well put it down to the same thing as mad cow disease, the effects it had. And then the, the, the developed stuff, uh, transmissible by ticks, 
They could infect the ticks, drop them in deers from, from the air, and, and watch the disease that ticks were uh, contaminated with uh, affect the deers that they were dropped on. And I think we're still suffering from some of that today. So it's, it's not, you, you can't blame the public for being afraid about uh, what governments are up to, especially, and here's the thing too, I was thinking about this, going over all this documentation uh, recently coming out from China and elsewhere about this pandemic, which is now a global pandemic, they're, they're saying, with a, a lot of mystery behind it too, with the usual kind of occurrences leading up to it that, that lead to conspiracy theories naturally. And then the governments clamp down on anybody who mentions them. Because you see, you don't realize you're now living in, in a system, it's a technocratic system really, where scientists and those from academia will decide what's right, wrong, and all the peasantry has to be quiet and obey and listen and do what you're told. And, and all, but this whole idea of public servants is out the window. There's no servants for the public. There's really commissars in this day and age. And they treat you and, and like, like aged school teachers would teach in Britain way back years ago uh, as a little peon, a little nobody coming into the classroom. It's much the same attitude. It's, very, it's, it's, very, it's a really an aloof type of uh, real class distinction. See, they're, they're the upper class now. They're the scientific elites. And you're the bottom. You're you're the nobodies who who could never understand anything. You see, so they never so they don't tell you anything. <laughs> That's it. You wouldn't understand. It's too complex for you to understand. You know. And I'm not really exaggerating that that unfortunately is the attitude. But all the different programs to contain the public's chit chat on social media. All and there's big programs out there that have all sprung into action across the board for for folk who don't know about it. Massive departments were set up in advance years ago to take care of this kind of thing in any kind of of, uh, crisis situation, including plague outbreaks and things like that, and how to contain the public and how to ridicule, and even censor lots of people too who uh, go off the beaten track because you're not really allowed to think for yourself here, you know. You're allowed to, to watch as many, many terrifying movies as you want, like fictional movies. But don't ever voice an opinion unless you're qualified to do it with a whole string of letters after your name. It's rather repugnant, really. That's not the way to treat the public. And the public, believe it or not, can understand an awful lot more uh, than these characters in the ivory towers uh, would ever believe. And here is something it ties into. Because you understand, we really are living in a system of so-called specialists who dictate to us all on different levels, and we're supposed to obey. This is the new system. This really is it, folks. Like the Club of Rome said, democracy wouldn't work, and they couldn't get the big jobs done with experts in charge unless you really abolish this idea of democracy. Well, how do you abolish it? The public wouldn't like that. So, you, well, you just, in, you just introduce it under different terms, you know, control over this, control over that, specialists for this, experts, experts, like Bertrand Russell said, will train the public that they can't make a move without expert opinion. And that's what they've done, you see, in a lot of areas. But the Club of Rome said, yeah, you, you, democracy is too slow and cumbersome. You can't get big things done that they wanted to at the top. Not the people who know how everything should be run and, and where the future should go and, and they'll direct it. They just know how we do it all. Um, they're in charge, really. That's what it is, through countless associations and amalgamations of different uh, sciences and disciplines, as they call it. And we're supposed to just obey. And unfortunately, here's the thing, to getting back to deadly allies and so on, there are laboratories. Every country's got them, regardless of all their international treaties on biowarfare and what they can do and what they can test and what they can't test and so on. And of course, I've said it years ago that the big, big laboratories that deal with even vaccines also deal with uh, creating new types of viruses and bacterium 
and rust, as they call it, for crop snoring. They deal with all these things. So really, technically, they're all part of the same system. It depends what it's used for at a particular time, according to the designation of the title you'd give them. But that, that's what it's all about, folks. You can't have people being kept in the dark about things which can affect their lives. Of course you can't. And it's wrong for any governments to, to try and pretend that they've got control over everybody. That's what happened in totalitarian countries before. And if your government squashes information on the public and treats them like, like real, not just children, but stupid children, hmm, then you end up with big problems because no one's going to be honest even to each other at the top either, by the way. That's where you get totalitarian systems. And that's what happened when we all, the whole world suffered when the Chernobyl reactors went up. The whole world suffered, still suffering, by the way, because you had a totalitarian system, a chain of command of government employees, all government employees, the state in charge, and no one uh, will think outside the box. You don't complain in totalitarian regimes. You don't become a whistleblower. That's that's what was found out with the, the, the big world uh, investigations into it afterwards. In such regimes, a whistleblower doesn't exist. They're not allowed to exist. Because you have to have individuality in a system, in a culture. It must be present to get a whistleblower. In totalitarian regimes, you just don't get them. And they're not tolerated at all. So when things are starting to go wrong, like Chernobyl, Anyone who, who, who says, uh, well, shouldn't, you've got to do this or do that or whatever or shut this down. No, no, the, the, the test must go ahead, you see. And that's how it goes. Or you suffer. As it happened, because everything um, was denied as it was happening, the whole world has suffered. And that's what you get in totalitarian regimes. Now, that's a lesson for the West as well. The whole, all, all of the West. Because if they start treating their, their people, their public, the same way as a totalitarian regime will treat them, you're going to have trouble, awful trouble. And you, you create more mistrust than ever before. Now, it's one thing to, to calm a child that's petrified of, of getting his jabs from a doctor. You know, that's one thing. But you can't, you can't calm the general public down by giving them fairy stories or even threatening them, especially threatening them when they ask pertinent questions. And they want honest answers. Uh, not this, oh, you wouldn't understand. Little peasants, you. Well, if it's all your lives at stake, I think, I think that you've got a right to hear. And then you'll decide whether you understand it or not. Yeah? We do live in a world, as I say, where people are terrified of scientists now, with bio-warfare, etc. Of course they're terrified. All the reports in the past, all the money that went into digging up corpses in the permafrost in Canada and elsewhere, from the Spanish flu, so they could bring the viruses back into in circulation, just, just in case they ever came. Well, the same one would never come back unless it was introduced again. But people are not as stupid as you think. And punishing folk the general population, is not a democratic system. Personally, and I know it's not democratic anyway, but personally I'd rather declare that it is a totalitarian regime and a scientifically organized system of control rather than treat us all like little children. Personally, that's me. And yet, yeah, I agree too, there's a lot of people out there that will make hay as, you know, as the sun shines, as they say, when there's terror going on, they sell all kinds of stuff. I understand that too. Because that's also the system in which we live, is this uh, awful system of money. Money can generally buy silence or buy people off, basically. That's part of the problem in all societies across the planet right now. It's corrupt. The whole system is corrupt. We know it's corrupt. And each time something comes out about the corruption in politics and politicians, and how politicians, in a few years, regardless of their salary, can be multi-millionaires at times. So something's wrong, isn't it? We're not that stupid either. So who do they really serve? The one who's putting all those millions into their pockets? Or the public? 
I mean, it's a very corrupt system we're living in today. And this whole idea of a deep state is very evident because democracy is a, is a show for the public, basically, really. And there's a definitely a, a deep state, as they call it, uh, behind it all to make sure it keeps on, on going regardless of whoever they put into politics as a little front person at the bottom. In other words, no one is really sitting back expecting <laughs> some character to get into politics that they don't want there at the top. It doesn't happen that way. I've noticed too over many, many years that, that uh, the politicians, uh, many of them, uh, that come and go, and not too famous, some of them, some well-known, some not, end up in, in these quiet, very quiet and high-level international jobs with the new technocracy, running big, important things across the world, deciding things for us outside of the realm of politics. And that they draft up big agendas on different levels in different areas and have the government rubber stamp them. It's quite interesting to watch it. And it's outside of the newspapers generally. Or if, it, if it's mentioned at all, you're given some kind of vague organization you've never heard of before. Very important organizations. Very important. You find the same people that staff the World Health Organizations at the top. Often uh, they're CEO, like CEOs of it, in fact, are, are far-left socialists who, who don't know anything about medical uh, medicine at all, in fact. They're just appointed there. All the other ones, underlings are beneath them. They're attached to it. There's nothing in this world, in our system, that isn't politicized. And when I say politicized, I mean really managed by a deep state. There's nothing. Nothing is left to chance. Really. So when you see all this hype going on about this coronavirus that they haven't quite given a name, they're starting to give a name from its origin on it, but coronaviruses are quite common. It just depends on the virility of a particular strain, that's all. They're watching it now to see if it, if it has a sudden leap forward, as you say, in a mutation. That's what they're watching it for. And I don't deny that anything is, is impossible when it comes to it. I do not deny either. Because uh, no one is going to tell you, no one is going to tell you the truth here on where it really came from, this particular virus. You'll never get to know if it was in a lab before it escaped or whatever. You won't really get any, no one's going to take the blame for this. And the findings down the road, maybe in a few years' time, will still be probably well classified if, if they find, and they can find quite easily the different markers on these things. As to, as to, because they're all, if you, if you go into, into laboratories, they're often uh, altered. They can tell, for instance, vaccines, for instance, uh, what kind of virus and, and um, attenuated viruses and so on are, are in them. They've got markers. You can tell which lab created them, in fact, in a batch of, of uh, vaccines. But it's very similar with, with, when they've been working on uh, particular strains of viruses for whatever purposes. Uh, they'll, they'll know where it came from, but we'll never tell the, the public the truth. I don't know. I don't know. And there's already, as you all know, I'm sure everybody's been, who's been following this, has jumped into the same roots that you'll fall down of where it originated from. We're in a system really akin to, not as bad, I might say right now anyway, to Chernobyl with the political structure with the scientists in charge, all working for the same system, all given amazing authority by governments, right down to what they're going to tell the public or not tell the public, and whistleblowers will not be tolerated. Now, silence on things like this, and there's, there's books about this too, by the way, put out, again, by those who want to stay in control, uh, mentioning the fact uh, that, that uh, conspiracy always comes because of the necessity of government secrecy. So conspiracy theories abound because of government secrecy. Well, perhaps there shouldn't be so much government secrecy when it affects the people. Governments better start to remember who they're supposedly serving. 
or come out and tell us quite openly or honestly that they're not serving us at all. They're dominating us. We should, we should, wouldn't you like clarification and some honesty? Eh? Wouldn't you like that? But right now, I've noticed that even doing searches for information on what's been happening across the world with this pandemic, it's hard to get good information. A lot of the information is out there is, is two weeks old. You'll see your, your searches being slowed like crazy because of, again, the emergency organizations have kicked in to guard the internet. It's, it's interesting to, to watch it. And at and, and the bottom, you'll see all the different institutions that's running through on, on the bottom of your, your search, you know. Yeah, you, of course you're being watched. Yes, you're being noted. If anyone who's looking into this, uh, they're, taking, uh, they're, they're trying to find immediately your location, who you are in your location. Of course, they'll try to find out why you're looking at this too. You're being studied. We're all being studied amazingly well. We have been before this all happened too, but now it's very evident. <laughs> as, as the new organizations that you haven't heard of go into, kick into gear, actually. You know? Quite fascinating to watch. But they're not going to allow any lay people to give him you know, any advice out there, too. And sure, you're going to have all kinds of misinformation, disinformation, and so on. Not all put out by the ones at the bottom, by the way. Because you're not going to get much of the truth out to the public at all right now. That's the first thing. It's the movies always tell you the same thing, eh? And disaster movies as well. The first thing, that the governments get together... And and they decide not to tell the public, or oh, they'll panic. They'll panic, you know. <laughs> right to the end, they don't tell them. It's quite funny to, to to think about, in some ways, how predictable the systems are when it comes to those in power. You know, always the same. Always the same. Remember, years ago, back in the nineties, I gave talks on NATO. And NATO's uh, pact that they had, which used to be, supposedly, I could never find one. Except one somebody got one for me once, that, that was an old one. But it was supposed to be, by law, in Britain, available every post office for anybody who found out about it and then asked for it. But they wouldn't just give it to you unless you asked for it. And it was about the response for, for warfare purposes for, or for radiation, the, the meaning the, the bombs or whatever. That's what the, at that time, that's what they thought about. Or else, uh, plague. And really, the lockdown procedures by NATO, all NATO countries that signed on to it, and they still stand today, uh, were to really lock down uh, whole towns and cities that were infected. And anyone who tried to move out of those cities, just like the movies. I mean, the movies had a lot of basis in fact. They, they looked into what the plans were and so on, and they put them into their, their, their fictional movies. But yeah, they would, they would shoot anybody on sight if they moved out. Now, I'm not <laughs> terrifying anybody here. As far as we know right now, we're dealing with a form of, of a flu-like symptom. Uh, virus but don't forget who's putting out the hype here the people in 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 china were panicking because after the sars outbreak in about 2003 it came out in their newspapers at the time and you don't know who to believe naturally but they thought it was a kind of ethno-specific type virus designed to hit them and they had that in their newspapers and that would, that would surface once in a... That could have been propaganda on their side. Who knows? Since then, that they've been terrified of such a thing happening. And that's why they're, they're really terrified now. They know that the, in Wuhan, where the thing broke out initially, supposedly, so we're told, we don't even know that for sure, that they, had a, they have a biowarfare level four lab there. And the West calls it biowarfare, but all these level, level four labs are basically dealing with that kind of stuff. So I guess they're all used for both purposes, or certainly can be used for both purposes. Of course they are. But uh, it's interesting too, they say that five million people got out of there before they locked it down. They knew it was coming, you see. But yeah, they're petrified, naturally, absolutely petrified. And I don't blame them. 
And in countries that won't give you many facts, as I say, just like Chernobyl with the old Soviet Union, uh, panic increases too. And you're left really, I mean, people in Chernobyl and around that area uh, obeyed their governments. Even when the, 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 the towns that had been built around there were full of people, they didn't evacuate them right away. Always contain the problem by not telling the public, even though it's, it's detrimental to them. So it's not really fair at all. Anyway, as I say, I'll be very careful because we're living in a time where uh, everything is an emergency. They're training the public to that everything is an emergency. They are, aren't they? And that's the scary part of it, really, is the training aspect of it all. Put yourself in our hands and let us do what we want to do, etc., etc., etc. Now, let's get into some of these uh, articles that pertain to what I'm talking about here. There's this article here, and it's, it's on uh, the UGC, News Gathering Systems, they've got now. Now, the, the Reuters is, is part of it too, naturally. All the news agencies are all part of this particular monitoring system now. And this article is on, on about uh, Hazel Baker, global head of UGC, news gathering at Reuters, and it's user-generated content, as called on the internet and so on. Everything's been monitored massively in real time now, all your chit-chat and so on. And then, of course, according to whatever's taking off is how they're going to uh, go for it. If, you, if they claim you're being a disinformation uh, nuisance, you're going, to get, you're going to get rattled one way or another. Anyway, it says, and the challenge of deep fakes, you see. So now, now you have the experts running, working for the government and all the rest of it too, in collusion with government at least, <clears throat> and um, deciding who's a deep fake. You see? So experts are going to tell you who's a deep fake. And, and a lot of them too will be intelligence agencies as well. Of course they are, for managing the public. So it goes into this woman who her, her past is, what she worked in before, and what she's now a part of. Over the past decade, social media has provided a rich source of news for media companies. The phenomenon of uh, fake news, and in particular, the emergence of deep fakes, has meant the organization has had to tweak their approach. It isn't just about photographs and things like that, and, and voices which they can fake. Of course they can. But they're, they're, it's really about managing things in real time. And you'd be surprised how many of these organizations are attached to this, this particular organization at the moment. It's a global system that's on the go, watching social media. And sure, there's going to be a lot of iffy things. But I, I really believe that no matter how crazy some of the stuff out there is, it shouldn't be censored. I really don't believe that things should be censored at all. I really don't. And you, you give the people some credit for thinking for themselves and deciding for themselves. You've got to. If you want to have a free society, we don't have a free society. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding about that at all. We don't have a free society at all. Of course we don't. But this is how they have all these organizations all sitting in the wings just ready to jump in when something like a possible pandemic takes off, you see. Contain the public Keep them in la-la land to the very end, if need be. But whatever you do, don't tell them the real truth about things. That's how it's done, just like the movies. And also this article here from from the Washington Times has one about the virus hit Wuhan. It says, has two laboratories linked to Chinese biowarfare program. Well, that's a concern, isn't it? Is anybody hitting the Washington Times for putting that out? But you see, someone who might repeat this stuff can get hammered. There's a psychological operation on the go right now where certain people are allowed to put things out, and if you repeat it, you're in trouble. This is psychology. It's a technique that's used to, to knock people out or even have them begin to doubt their own sanity at times. You have no idea the experts in, in um, behavior insights teams all working across the board overtime, big money too for them uh, to manage our minds, you know. <laughs> for us, quite good, eh?
Also, there was Bill Gates on how to outsmart global epidemics. We've all seen that one too, I'm sure. And from the meetings that he's had recently, an organization that he belongs to, that he helped set up, in fact, to do with how they're going to manage epidemics or, and pandemics and so on. And that's from the CBS News. It says Bill Gates, and they always tell you right off the bat, you see, he's the world's richest man. So they say, I don't believe he is, though. It's preparing to outsmart epidemics by launching an effort that develops adaptable vaccines. This is important. Before another global health crisis like Zika or Ebola, which killed more than 11,000 people in West Africa, threatens the world again, you see. And it says a coalition, here's, here is the organization, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, CEPI, founded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the governments of uh, India and Norway, and the medical research uh, charity Welcome, the company Welcome, and the World Economic Forum, raises how the world is tragically unprepared to quickly detect and respond to outbreaks, Gates says. And years ago, I thought about the same thing. That rather than just, just treat one thing at a time, even in bacteria too, never mind viruses, if you, get, if you understand the basic things of how things develop and spread and multiply, if you could get into some of the mechanisms here and disrupt them and stop it, well, this is what they're trying to do, of course, with their, their vaccines and all the rest of it. And just simply modify something. China claims they've already got one, interestingly enough, eh? And interesting, interesting enough, too, if you really dig in, you'll find a lot of big companies putting out articles on this very... They're kind of peeved at it because whoever gets vaccines is going to rake in maybe billions of dollars. And just This is big business. This is beyond just industrial espionage, which it is too, perhaps. Eh? We never know. Well, you can never prove it, can you? You may suspect all you want. But industrial espionage happens all the time, even between uh, super companies, for goodness. I'm not kidding you either. <laughs> Spies go in and try to get their formulas and things like that, which they're always changing. Eh? So here you have not just a technocrat type, uh, Bill Gates. He's also a transhumanist because the transhumanist movement are the technocrats who are supposed to run the world. I don't know if you know that. This was the system that Julian Huxley talked about. He came up with the transhumanists. They would create really ultra-rich people, at least the appearance of them. They could be front people, wouldn't matter. They would make them into, by the public standards, with their public mindsets, they'd make them into geniuses by massive propaganda and so on. And, but they would be given the job of deciding for the public to get how to get, again, the, techn- the technocratic approach, get things done without going through the public debates and so on. Just get them done uh, and it'd be above politics. That's a, a transhumanist is, is the ones who are supposedly so rich and so on that they're above human petty worries and, and human petty desires and so on. So they suddenly become awfully altruistic. Now, years ago, I gave talks on the old um, Platonic organizations and the Neoplatonism too, where the old, old ancient esoteric groups across even into India uh, had Neoplatonism and with the philosophers and the philosophies, etc. And they always they, they talk about fisher kings, the, the people who would pick protégés to, to take over and rule the ancient world. And they would make them into benevolent dictators. You see, that was the whole, that's what it was about. That's what technocracy is about. And transhumanists, you see them in the papers donating millions, sometimes billions to this and that, as, the, as long as they were in charge of it and, tell, and push the world and direct the world and where it's supposed to go, you see. That's what this is. Do you do you get to vote for these guys? No. Are you, does anyone even suggest you get to vote for them? No. Do you even think yourself you should vote for them if they're going to decide your futures? No. Because you've already been trained that somehow, be, that somehow they're special and, and almost godlike, you see. Well, who trained you this way? Look at the incredible propaganda machinery you've been soaked with for years to make you accept it all and think it's quite natural. Bob Bertrand Russell said it too, there's nothing you cannot train the public into, given time and money, and get them young enough. Mm-hmm. 
they'll believe anything. It's quite something, but it, it works. It's all here. So you, you, have, to, you have the transhumanists in charge of um, like Bill Gates and his big, big uh, vaccine campaigns and so on across the world. And what scare people too, and it's, it's, it's not, uh, it is not conspiracy. When Bill Gates wants to reduce the population to an extent. I know they've even got Prince uh, William out now doing Prince Philip's job. Now Prince Philip's getting a bit old for it. Prince Philip is in charge of all massive organizations across the planet. World Wildlife and, and, all, and, and all the other ones there too. They have the best farmlands across parts of the world and Africa too. All, all, all the street, you can't grow anything on them. It's for conservation, they say. But Prince Philip's been open, very open about depopulation. There's just too many people. He keeps, he keeps telling. He's been saying for years and years and years. And now, of course, uh, they've given that over to uh, William to push that. And he's been on about. Oh my God! In another few years, have been another three. There could be another three billion people on the planet. We're heading towards catastrophe, etc. I hope you understand this is all happening at the same time, eh? And it's not coincidence, by the way. You've had this massive, incredible, almost riotous behavior with well-funded armies of protesters demanding we all stop eating so much, demanding we stop heating ourselves and so on, demanding we don't drive cars anywhere to supposedly save the planet. All the plans that the technocrats drew up years ago. Everything's based on energy, you see. That's what technocracies, that's their special areas. I'm not kidding about this. But if you really have an ability to see into it all, you become a threat to the system. And they won't tolerate you. That is, that is what we're living under right now. A technocratic system. And you have the transhumanist up there. Uh, they're supposedly decide what you're going to drive, if you're going to drive at all, in fact, or how you're going to heat your homes. And they're bringing a future where everything uh, will be restricted. Energy use, that is, even blackouts. Years ago, they gave us articles from the EU Parliament on this. I used to read them out. How it had rolling blackouts and brownouts for conservation of electricity and stuff like that. You know, it's the same, you understand, these people... They brought you the Soviet system, communism. The first thing they say, we're all in it together, right? We're all, there's the big sign, we're all in it together. We're all equal, right? That's the first lie, we're all equal. And then they bring in restrictions till there's scarcities and everything. Always the same system. They, 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 they have convulsions if they see you. Eating more than they say that you should eat. Oh my God, oh my, oh, you definitely upset some. These people are psychotic. But if they took over the Sahara, and of course the uh, sand is used for cement, no, they'd instantly say there's, there's a shortage of sand. That's how bad they are. Because everything is money and profit, big profit for themselves, creating scarcities. I've given talks too from the Green Party the leaders of the Green Party in Britain from a few years ago. And the woman said that she, she just looked back with nostalgia at these old newsreels that they, they show you of World War II and the London Blitz and, and everybody got together under the, in the underground and, and they all, they're all suffering and, and rations and, and thin and all that because of the incredible rationing. But they stuck out together. They were cheerful and they'd sing songs and and she says, that's what, that's what we need, she says. Shortages, etc., would, would make, make that happen. And we'd all be in it. We'd all pull together. In other words, we'd all do what we're told, you see, for survival. Which is, of course, what all this climatology is about, right? Too. That's what they picked, remember? We'd all be in it together to save the world. And drastically change the way we're living. We've got to stop having children. At least all of you, right? There's different categories of who should stop having children. It's never-ending. It's pretty ceaseless, isn't it? A long term, all the way from Malthus to the present. 
Same stuff. And the ones who tell you, it's not them that are not going to have, it's, it's you that's not to have children. H.G. Wells was quite blunt about it. And, and he was an awful snob, even though he came from a, low, um, a lower background, really. He went through good schooling because his mother was, was really a housekeeper for a very rich family. His dad was a drunk. Awful drunk. They couldn't keep a job. He, he used to get part-time work as a cricketer for a, cri- a, a cricket team, you know. But uh, I can remember reading the H.G. Wells would look at all these people going past the windows with the big houses uh, every morning on the way to their factories at the time. They used to have actual work at that, that, those days and had factories and so on. They didn't give it all away. It petrified them to think that they could, they're only a little stone throw from, from joining them. So he he, he'd, uh, he began to despise the, the working people. He did. And that's why he became uh, almost a control freak in his writings, portrayed that too, especially his, his non-fiction writings. And he was a co-founder of the Fabian Society, funded by the Astor family. It's amazing how the rich, again, technocrats and uh, transhumanists of the day fund all these organizations. It's not a recent thing. It's interesting, isn't it? And it shapes directions of the future. It just even shapes the directions of wars and things they're going to have. And what they'll get out of it, etc. Social and economic-wise. So anyway, H.G. Wells said, well, what, what happens? He says, look at the people who are poor, he says. He says, well, what happens? You, you, you help her, you, you give them better sanitation, you know, and, uh, and, more, and, and teach them hygiene and give them hygienic products and so on, and give them a bit more, bit more money to feed themselves, eh? He says, and then you, you, you help prevent them from getting diseases. And what do they do? He says, he says they breed. He was disgusted. They breed, yeah, all of them, they breed, yeah. You know, at one time that would have shocked people. I don't think folk, I think we're so dumbed down today that the most folk can't be shocked anymore. And that's a dangerous time to live in when folk can't be shocked anymore. So to all those control freaks who are still controlling everything, including the internet, <laughs> you know. And they're there, they are there. We could have Gestapo or these characters or Stasi, Super Stasi, huh? Like the movie and other books too that came out, uh, you know, the lives of others, the Stasi system. The per- By God, these are these are the super dreams of the Stasis that we're living in today. They had to go and bug everybody's homes. Millions of folks, millions, had their homes bugged that almost half the population at one time or another are spying on everybody around them. And they coerce you into it. They say, we want you to watch your neighbor. Well, I don't like that. Well, if you don't do that for the state, you know, then you're under suspicion. And that's how it works, quite easily. But they bugged everybody's homes. And, and, and whole buildings full of records and files and everybody. Today, it's just done with the internet. Primarily, and almost cities built to store even the hard drive systems of the information on all of us for the NSA, etc., FBI, and Canada's got its own systems too. Every country has. Super Stasi, eh? We're a system, and and they're locking it up pretty well. It's been locked up bit by bit. It's locked up. Beyond the policing stage, until, and they told us that this would happen. I said this years ago, 20 years ago. I said, you might get 20 years out of it, and then they'll, they'll just lock it up pretty well. And it wasn't just speculation. It was the fact that they, they put out their, I was reading all the stuff from the, from the United Nations and, and how they would um, create a civic society and a civil society and so on across the planet. Including how what they, they would use psychologists, what they're using now with the BITs, etc. They would train the public through fear and coercion. And examples, they, they pick different people for examples to punish and publicize it. 
and everybody else starts to conform. You start with self-policing, you see, until you're completely policing your own thoughts. That's been that's resurfaced again from them. Those very things I've just, which I've just mentioned. Perpetual childhood with your overseers, all for the it's always always for the greater good. They tell you. Well, that, that statement's been used for the worst horrors the world has ever seen. For the greater good. And unfortunately, these kind of things do repeat themselves. As folk get so cocky and arrogant in positions of power that they literally see that the general population is them. Like a, a different species. That's really, really bad when that happens. And it's inevitable, it always does happen. There's lots of psychopaths rise to the top. And they love control freak jobs. Now what we have to imagine too is the state of the world, the economy right now. And the effect on, I mean, you couldn't get a, a, a more perfect storm than we've got right now. The economy's tanked out, you know that. Everybody knows it. Not just with this particular president in the US or, or any prime minister in Britain. It's been on the go for years, as you well know, since all your factories were given over to China through agreements and free trade by your own political establishments. Well, now what happens when the country that it all comes from is going into quarantine in such a way? Huh? Do you think they didn't foresee this? What kind of idiots are running this system? Or are they idiots? Or is this a bigger plan than you can imagine? So the economy sunk in previous uh, years. They kept giving us the jobless recovery because the Dow Jones and, 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 and NASDAQ, you know, it means nothing to the general public. It's all rigged anyway, and government's pumping money every night to, to raise up the, the figures for their own big corporations. It's completely fake. But it's a jobless recovery. There's no recovery. The stores have been closing for years, and uh, there's, there's no recovery. For that, and so they, they they toy around again. Well, how will we manage the peasantry? Well, we'll give them all a wage for staying home. You see, this is all planned a long time ago. This step by step by step. So we're at the stage now where we're again the economy is tanked as far as every, every, the working people are concerned. The raises are stagnant. The prices are going up because of inf- because they keep devaluing your currency. So you need more of it to get the same things. Basics and so on. Perfect storm. And it happened. Do you, do you imagine this would be a good book too, right? It's right out of a, a, a sci-fi horror. A, a, like a play, if it's, how many movies have turned out over the last 20, 30 years with virus outbreaks and all this kind of thing and plagues and... Yeah? And you've gobbled them all up getting programmed when you think about it. Countless, countless ones, and, and books too, to terrify you if you want to stay awake all night. But on plagues and so on, right? Quite amazing. And you're getting trained with the form, the formulas as well, what you do and what you, how you obey and all that, and do what you're told. And you know. And then you, you bring that into to the Chinese New Year, where millions of people literally are tra- traveling across the whole planet. And you put that into a novel, right? An outbreak Right at that time of year. Why not? Sometime, some other time, of the, but it happens at that time of the year. Bingo. Eh? And then you watch the farce. And it is a farce, honestly. Uh, to me it is, anyway. My opinion. When they wait all that time before they do anything about it. Uh, that doesn't make sense. That, that's what stinks, actually. When it doesn't make sense. They're not stupid at the top. And they know now that this virus was on the go, even probably in October, and through November, picking up speed. Which means it obviously was across the world, I I would think, before then. Wouldn't it? We'll never get to the bottom of it or get the facts out. As I say, with secrecy, you end up with speculation. And speculation ends up with... uh, Government's clamping down on people because the folk have nothing to do except speculate 
if you won't give them the, the, the true facts. Eh? True facts. But again, this, the real system we live in treats you like a child. We've got to understand that. Back in the 90s, I gave a talk on this system that you think, you're, think you're, you're taught you're free. And I said, well, you see, it's like you can, you can go here and go there and do this and do that. And you think, you're, it isn't until you, you might say something or do something that, that, then the, the, the bars that are generally invisible go up around you. And you start bumping into things. You can't go here. You, you can't get that job. You can't, bup, 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 you see? Something's kicked in that you, knew, you know nothing about. You may be been blacklisted for something. Maybe because you're a bit too bright even. But they won't tell you. But you've, you've obviously looked into an area that you're not supposed to look at, perhaps. Something like that. And that's when you find out the system's completely different than the one that you've been trained to believe exists. Where everyone's nice and pleasant, eh? And official dumb are all, they, they give you, they used to give you terminal, like, like they call you sir, just, just to appease you, I think, you know, or throw you off balance before they stiffed you with a hefty fee. But um, that's the system you're trained to believe in. They're, they're pretty decent people, see? And you live in a decent system where you don't have a, a Gestapo type, Stasi's type, NKVD type, and, uh, you know, KGB type. No, only bad countries have that. You have a nice system until they'll turn it loose. And unfortunately, over the many, many years now, but what was really predicted long ago, again, is because they put out all those articles and, and, uh, and preparedness, uh, um, PDFs and books and all the rest of it from their own meetings over years, telling you what they would do here, there, and everywhere. Never mind the fact you're getting all your your, your future pointed by the, the the glory boys and gals at the WEF, the World Economic Forum, or if you say it backwards, uh, it's uh, it's for the few, the FEW, because it is, isn't it? And you don't vote for them either, do you? Transhumanists, eh? Yeah, they just have your benefit. They just know what the right thing is because they're benevolent dictators, you understand? And they know what's best for you, where you should be, where you should be living, how you live, what you eat or don't eat, if you should breed or get married or, or not, etc., etc. Even if you should drive or have a car for the Agenda 21, no private vehicles allowed eventually, they said, eh? That's in their own state. This is not conspiracy stuff, folks. This is published stuff from them, from themselves. So here we are with this thing. Well, and I see. I'm not going to terrify people about it because if we're getting any truth at all, the death rate isn't as high as the people thought. It doesn't mean it can't jump, etc. As I say, there's a lot to come out of this. A lot will come out of this, including the way you're going to live. And that's really the, 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 the big gain for those at the top. is It's like any war, remember, as Carl Quigley said, Professor Quigley, he, he said that it affects all sides culturally. You can get more done on cultural change. It's about plan change where you want to take a society on all sides. He says um, you can get more done in five years of war as government takes over everything, food supply, everything, education, name it than you can do in 50 years of propaganda and peace. Well, this scenario is a type of war scenario. You see, it's a survival scenario. That's how it's put it across all, you know, experts. And it's all to save you all. And out of this, they might, because everything I've watched in the last few years especially has been almost that of a totalitarian order. Uh, it doesn't matter what's a climate, uh, massive climate change. Armies have paid organize, uh, people to, to protest and everything. It's astonishing to watch, them, watch all this happening. It's astonishing to watch children getting terrified in school about until they become radical. And when radical children grow up radicalized, they're easily manipulated into incredible nasty mobs or nasty armies as we've seen in, in the old Soviet system, when they were unleashed on the public. China did the same thing too, remember? But we watched this happening. And everyone is so, so 
neutered when it comes to reacting to this kind of thing. Things that would never been tolerated years ago, never been tolerated to allow this to be brainwashed into the children, to be radicalized like this until they're terrified. Terrified. And they're, they're taught to hate adults. Or oh, you let this all happen. Do you understand what's going on here? And the moneyed people who are behind pushing all this stuff. I hope you realize that the horrors of the past can happen very quickly today or tomorrow. By the same radicalization processes. It's a science to radicalize people. And we're living through it right now. I hope you understand this. And keeping quiet doesn't help. At all. There are no balanced approaches been going on in the last few years at all. <laughs> it's all a one-sided uh, agenda, it seems. Eh? As I say, uh, think for yourselves. Think for yourselves. And, and remember, we're, we're going through nasty times. Very nasty times. Last week I was going to mention too about the Amazon Alexa listening systems. I'll put that up this week. You think you're free. How can you possibly think you're free when when it's purposely been put out there and allowed by governments and actually with collusion of governments? The spying equipment that's in your home now is disgusting. This doesn't bode well, this this system at all. In the Pentagon, uh, privately um, voiced concerns, I was going to mention that last week, about the Afghan war. It bogged down. The whole thing in Afghan bogged down by deliberate. Remember, Kissinger talked about it in Brzezinski. Uh, if, if, you know, they, they, they tried to coerce the Soviet Union into going into Afghanistan by causing upsets by paid provocateurs inside of Afghanistan, forcing the, 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 the Soviet Union to fall for it. They would, that was their Vietnam, their, their Vietnam. That was the Soviet. They got bogged down for years in Afghanistan pretty well help destroy them. But then the U.S. takes and does the same thing. Come on here. The U.S. already had. The, 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 the guys who planned it for the Soviets, the Kissingers and the Brzezinski, talked about their collusion together, helping to get the Soviets into it, to bring them down into a Vietnam scenario. And then, then, but then they, they, they okay for the U.S. to do the same thing after the Vietnam experience. No one is this stupid folk. There's things going on here that literally are above um, anything you can imagine of common sense. There's something beyond that. The big agendas for sure, and planned and thought out, no doubt about it. So people, people want wars. They want this kind of thing to go on too. So anyway, the Pentagon uh, privately voiced concerns about the, the co- not just the cost, but how they get bogged down, and that's what's happened. And the UK, uh, they've got all this police uh, facial recognition uh, and really all over London now. Again, train you a step at a time. Oh, it was just cameras, you know. And, and they even had propaganda shows in Britain years ago where they showed you these big circular rooms with folk just looking at, at screens. There were civilians employed to watch everybody else, like just like the Stasi system in a sense, you know. Uh, then they introduce uh, step by step armed guards and police with machine guns and things, and then they they bring in uh, facial recognition. Now you, you now they know who everybody is, etc., etc. You know, and step by step by step. At the same time, you got all these idiots waving little, you know, plastic flags in Britain, thinking that they're getting free. The Britain you have today is is nothing like the one. From the 1970s or 80s. Completely different. But they try to keep... I remember talking about brass bands and flags, as Bertrand Russell talked about them. He said you can do more with a brass band and flags and tunes, patriotic tunes, than you can do with, with logic and truth and rhetoric. It hits the motions. It gets folk going, yeah, yeah. I've mentioned before that in the, the techniques of communism... A kind of creeping communism that was to take over the world through gradualism and taking and changing and, and uh, controlling and shaping, directing the culture uh, until eventually uh, all the old normals and oppositions become a new system, all one together. This was the Gramscian technique, of course, that they adopted for the world, and it was awfully successful. And this article actually. It sums it all up, and it's by Peter Hitchens, 
who wrote about Blair and uh, Boris Johnson, how they have so much in common, in an awfully good article. It's called Boris, the New Blair, by Peter Hitchens. Good article to show you that, is he really conservative? You know? What is the sham of politics today? Because it's a sham, isn't it? Because at one time, conservatism used to stand for particular values. There's Boris Johnson, who supposedly headed the Conservative Party, who's living with, it's not even his wife. You see how perception has changed completely of what what was or what is, you see? At one time, no one would have dared, um, even <laughs> having someone in who had even been married twice or in a divorce or anything, that's not yet to have someone who who has some kind of tradition. That's the whole point. Is the whole conservative really was about tradition. You see, it's all gone out the window. Now you've got a guy who jumps up and down like a clown, and he's no clown though. No. He's he plays his part, and he'll play it well. And, and he, he's already signed on to future wars with the U.S. With, alongside the U.S. He, he's really uh, another version of Tony Blair. Only he's he's, he's, he's a bit funnier. That's all. Tony Blair was or he had a lot of hand flapping as well in front of the people, but Boris has is, is got that humorous face, you know. He's, but the whole thing is just for the people to consume a completely different uh, system than the one you're really living in. We're all in it today, though. You know, it's with the rise of efficiency and technocracy uh, that you're heading towards a, a terrible times. We're actually going into it now. Because all rights and freedoms are taken away and your choice and, and lots of things are taken from you under the guise of, of we've got to be efficient now. Especially in crisis, you've got to be efficient. And that's, that was the fear of a lot of people who warned us all in previous generations. Efficiency, this, this drive from academia churning out armies of robots in different uh, fields and so on, uh, they, w- they would all work together for efficiency, strive for efficiency. And, and, and we're the only product they're working on is us. We are the product. So it's not pleasant at all. But as I say, don't get all carried away by the, the, the people who are going to terrify you with uh, coronavirus or, or flu-like symptoms and so on. Uh, use your common sense. Uh, if, you, if you can basically even just get a few extra tins of things, food and so on, Get them in packages of, of stuff. Get them. You should have them anyway in case anything else happened in, in the world at any particular time to tide you over for a few weeks. If you can, if you can. A lot of folk can't afford it these days. But don't jump into these incredibly expensive crisis uh, floggers that will sell you the kitchen sink used as well to save you, you know. Use your common sense and don't panic about things. As I say, we don't even have enough information given to us. And, and there's definitely a dearth of information right now for the general public to consume. And there's no doubt, of course, on any scenario, just like the Cobra group in Britain for actual terrorist attacks, they all decide together what they're going to have the media tell you. There's no doubt about that. It's, it's all part of it. And uh, they will tell you the, the least facts of all if they're, if they're bad. But use your common sense. And the best way not to get it is, is just don't go out in public too very much if you can go out at all. If you have to go out, take your precautions. But don't don't go carrying on as usual if this thing is going through the society at the moment. We don't know. We really don't know. But don't forget, too, every country has tremendous systems in place right now to track and contain the spread of these things in this day and age. I've no doubt, too, I've already read articles to the elite. Lots of the elite already have lots of their antiviral drugs that they can get for themselves. That's why you're seeing the politics. They're not worried. <laughs> They're not worried. They're never worried about things like that. But you won't see that for the general population. That happened again with the SARS outbreak. At that time, I think they had uh, the Tamil flu, they called it, antivirals. And now they've got ones that are more advanced, way more advanced than that and more effective for those that uh, are deemed worthy to get them, I suppose. But don't panic, as I say. And if, it, if it's all tr- true, what they're telling you, most folk are getting over it. Uh, okay. And 
it'll depend on the individual. You might just think it's a cold and get over it, hopefully. And then once again, of course, it'll, it'll hit. They're claiming uh, people with the general f- f- this year flu, whatever variety is out right now, uh, will kill more folk than this thing will. But again, you can't, without the real facts, you're left guessing. And guessing leads people into terrible panic situations. Don't panic about things. Keep your head and, um, and use your own common sense about everything. Because after all, it's your life, isn't it? It's your life. I think. <laughs> anyway, folks, for me, um, that's all I have time for, as usual. And I had so much here, as, as always, but I, I don't want to repeat it all. I don't want to repeat all this stuff. I'm sure everybody's looked up on the internet. And as I say, everyone's being watched like crazy right now in case they terrify the public, you see. And so you'd be so cautious in this day and age. You're getting taught very quickly that you have no freedom of speech at all. And since I made the internet uh, pretty well indispensable, being banned from anything at all, or even, even some temporary use, uh, can have devastating consequences. Like Bertrand Russell said, eventually the government would give you tokens. He said, you'd have to pay your rent and buy your food from these tokens. You couldn't save them up. And if you disobeyed anything or, or, or government to, disapproved of something you'd said or done, and said or done, think about it, said or done, right? Uh, then they would withhold your, your credits for the month and you, you would suffer and, and you'd have to repent. Well, it's the same system. Anything which you jump into and then eventually is mandated is a form of power. And power is always about control. And yes, they have their spin-offs of profit and money and all at the top, etc. But it's always about power and control. Never forget that. And uh, it's a dangerous system, the internet. Very dangerous system. Uh, the way it's been, as I say, forced on people and eventually... Uh, made almost indispensable for most folks, business transactions and everything. It's dangerous indeed when, when folk with power can arbitrarily uh, censor whatever to anybody. Dangerous times indeed. So, for myself, Alan Waterman here in Canada, keep your head, don't be silly. It's good night. May your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>